0: The Candid Frame is supported by donations by listeners just like you.
1: Help us to bring you great conversations with great photographers. Support the show today with your monthly contribution through our Patreon effort at patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame or click on the link in the show notes or the website at TheCandidFrame.com. Thank you.
0: This is X, and this is The Candid Frame. The still image holds an amazing power over us. It's often the singular image that often holds the power to move us, reconsider long-held opinions and sometimes even affect change. Though the moving image holds much of our attention these days, the still image maintains a unique place in our consciousness. It's that fact that often inspires photographers to use their skills to draw attention to matters that often don't find their way onto the headlines or 24-hour news cycles. Street photographer and friend of the show, Valerie Jardin, was so inspired when she discovered the work of Josh Coombs. Josh, who is a hairdresser by trade, has been offering his services to the homeless, providing them not only an opportunity for physical transformation, but a moment where they can enjoy some human connection and dignity. Together, Valerie and Josh took to the streets of New York recently and each, in their own way, used their skills to be of service to those that too many of us simply choose to ignore. Well, Valerie Josh, welcome to The Candid Frame. Valerie, it's always a pleasure to to have you on the show. And Josh, I'm excited to have a chance to talk with you for the first time. So welcome. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. So you guys have been working on this amazing collaboration with each other. But uh, Josh, it seems to have started with you. Why don't you tell us a little bit about this project that you came up with and, and how it all came about?
2: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'd love to. So, so uh, it's called hashtag Do Something for Nothing, and this is well, my role in this is is as a hairdresser. That's what I do. I go out on the street and I meet people who are who are living on the streets, who are homeless or sleeping rough. Um, and this started where where I live in London. Uh, it was about two years ago, and it was really from a feeling of feeling quite helpless towards this problem, seeing the magnitude of it, and it was such a large scale for me that i had to start bringing it down to one person and just focusing on on that one man or woman and just saying hey how are you and and just trying to get a bit more in depth into their situation and and actually um my relationship with valerie started quite soon because my first trip out of london to do this somewhere else was to paris and I didn't really know anyone. I had a couple of friends, but I, I really wanted someone to take some photos of this. So I emailed her at random and and just said, hey, I'm going to Paris um, to do this project. I'd really love someone to document this because, of course, like the photography and the storytelling for me from the beginning was a big, big part of this. Um, I'm not a photographer, but I, you know, I love photos and I, I love kind of what they can bring, especially of people. So I reached out to Valerie, Valerie and, um, and she, she hit me back almost immediately because um, she's just incredible like that she's a machine I've learned that she's just uh, the hardest working person I know but she, she she emailed back and she wasn't in town because she actually obviously lives in Minneapolis but she linked me up with a photographer there and before you know it um, I'm working with this amazing guy called Laurent and me and Valerie have kept in touch ever since.
0: There's been a, at least in the United States there's been an increase in homelessness I think largely as a result of Challenge of affordable housing, at least here in Los Angeles, but I can imagine that it's happened a lot in other major metropolises, um, not just not just L.A. It's it's been a problem that's existed for a long time, but it seems to have uh, accelerated in in recent years. And as a result, I think it's led to people being sort of not oblivious to it, but sort of numb to it. Yeah. So yeah, I I
2: couldn't agree more.
0: What sort of you know sparked you to want to be proactive in some way. I mean, was there, you know, was there a certain catalyst that sort of sparked the idea and made you feel like I need and want to do something?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think for me, for me, I've, I completely agree with with, with that um, take on it you've just said. I think everywhere you go, every city, this is this is a problem that's increased and increased. Um, and, and when you look at the stats, they show it. You know, I mean, it's really doubled in a lot of cities in the last five years. And, like, you know, the reason that this started in me was it was because these are humans we're talking about. You know, this isn't um, – there's a hell of a lot of problems in the world, but these are humans on the streets where we live. Um, in, in probably a, a lot of places, um, a very contrasting kind of city, like somewhere like L.A., where I've been recently, you know, I mean, there's lots of places that cities have haves and have nots. And for me, I don't fundamentally agree with someone being forgotten about. I was seeing this in London, seeing people sat on the street. I was like, I can no longer – walk past and just give some change and feel like this is okay and I get that not everyone has the time but for me it was a wanting me to really just find out more because it can't just be this 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 view we have of homelessness that a lot of people are there because they're reckless or because of this kind of attitude towards work or something it's Mm -hmm. for me it was like I had to find out more about this and um and and actually actually you know it's about empowerment like to go just a little bit deeper quickly it's really like I can't change all the problems in the world that are going on right now, but I can define what world I live in. And I certainly, I, I don't want to feel disempowered that I can't at least make someone smile and positively impact someone today. And and no one can tell me whether I can, or can't do that. So it was actually about empowering myself to go, you know what, you don't have to solve a problem. You can get out there today and just try and make someone smile. And for me, a haircut's a good way to do that because it's a great way to make someone feel more confident and have more self-esteem.
0: And one of the things you emphasize about the encounters that you have, it's for you, it's so much more about the connection, about the acknowledgement of that person's humanity, not just the fact that you're providing them hair, a haircut.
2: Yeah, it's it's really. I, I talk when I talk about this in different places now. That's a big, big focus. Is is for me, this isn't charity. This is connection. Um, there's lots of things in in the world and different problems where charity and aid is very much. Um, in need and, and it works. It really works. Money going from one place to another. For me, I, I go out and connect with people. I go out and talk to people, and it's a two-way street. You know, what I mean, I, I it's I recognise what it means for me and and how I feel after a day of doing this. And I think Valerie, you know, after we, we went out in New York a few weeks ago now, and we worked together for the whole week, we, we felt you know we were buzzing at the end of this. And it's okay to tap into that feeling and realise that like that's not in a patting yourself on the back, world well on me kind of way. It's actually in a way of it's just very simple. It's very simple when you connect with another human in this way, and a stranger, and you—it's it's endorphins. It's about um, you know how you feel and uh, the oxytocin in your brain. Like it's actually scientifically a thing. You know, connection with other humans—it it works. It makes you feel good. So yeah, I think less focus on charity and volunteering time, more thinking about what do you love doing, what do you actually feel connected with and, and for me when I go out and do this it's not it's it's no chore this is like I look forward to doing it I, I love doing it so um yeah and I'm not strange I'm just the normal bloke so surely that's accessible <laughs> for everyone else you know <laughs> why
0: did you feel that documenting it introducing a camera to this was so important
2: yeah I, well, I I I I yeah and I think this is a good time to kind of um to sort of really you guys I mean as photographers and I guess I guess just talking to Valerie Moore. all I know from an from a perspective of not being trained or not having any uh, photographing experience personally, I just know that I've always looked at photos, and the things that really, really stand out to me and that that tell a story are those human portraits. For me, I love that. I love faces. I love people and eyes, and just those little. Just those tiny little emotions you can see in someone's face on a still. And, and, and I know that the people I meet that capturing that is so important because you can get that moment where someone's looking in the mirror or where somebody's just seen themselves in a new light. And actually, that's that, that from the beginning for me. I, I always had that in my head. I was like, this has to be captured in a, in a real way, not just me sort of on my iPhone, which is what I do when I post it on Instagram mm-hmm. in, in a way that people can really see.
0: And Valerie, for you, what what was the appeal of, of of this project? What excited you most about you know being involved?
1: Well, from the beginning, uh, when uh, when Josh reached out to me, it was two years actually. I found the original email and I sent it back to Josh this week, which was really funny. Uh, it was December 6, thousand fifteen. I was so touched by what he was doing and and nobody had really heard about him yet you know that now they're I mean it's gone the project has gone viral there's been a lot of uh, videos and uh, on it but at the time it was quite new and I thought what an amazing what an amazing person you know to 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 want to do this it really I was so bummed that I could not move my trip to Paris up a month because <laughs> I was going just a few weeks later and uh, and I really wanted to help out and I it. it Feel so close to my heart. So it's just I always felt like yes, you can make changes. You can't change the world, but you can change the the world one person at a time in your own neighborhood. And I've always Felt I've I've done this to some extent, you know. Just if it's just to have a conversation with someone or bringing someone a cup of coffee, it just warms your heart just to make somebody's day really, and it doesn't take much. So I thought this was such a wonderful. Thing and I right away I wanted to document it. That's why I, I never gave up. We stayed in touch. I said someday we're gonna be in the same city at the same time. And I've I was already looking for that type of project. I didn't want to go and work for a, a big um, nonprofit where you don't even know you know the where the money goes and everything. I just wanted something more grassroots. Is that the expression? Mm-hmm. Um, something s- smaller scale and. I don't know, I felt that connection with Josh right away. I don't know, it was something in the, you know, in the way we communicated and and what I saw his post on Instagram, it really touched me. And I thought, this is exactly where I this is exactly the type of project I'm looking for. A few months ago, as you know, I'm a f- uh, official ex-photographer for Fujifilm, and a few months ago I was talking with Fuji and I, I said, Hey, would you guys be interested in sponsoring a project? where you'd send me to a city and I'd meet Josh. And originally I I was able to go to London and meet him there. And the timing wasn't right for me. And I told Josh, well, would you come to New York? And he said, yeah, he had, shot, he had worked on the project in New York earlier on. He was... Um, he was really excited to come back, so I asked Fujifilm um, U.S. I said, "Would you would you bring him to New York and send me to New York and just to cover the project? I mean, obviously we'll do it for nothing, but you know, cover our expenses and make make this happen." And they agreed, and I was just so thrilled. I remember uh, texting Josh. I said, "Guess what? <laughs> you could come to New York," mm. and uh, and then we we made the plans and we we met and. And hit the streets right away. And it was just amazing. I mean, for me, it was so much more than the photography. It was really about the connections. And it was really important to me uh, not to be the just the photographer. I really wanted to connect with the people and not bring the camera out right away uh, and in their face. And I think actually working with my camera and my style helped because I was non I was not in their space. I wasn't in their face. My c- camera is quiet. I didn't pull out the camera and start shooting right away. I mean, we would exchange um, hugs and 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 tears and laughs before I would start shooting, and and uh, we established that connection. And I think Josh and I were on the same. Um, we we kind of approached it the same way, and I mean, of course, him doing what he does and me documenting it. But on the uh, on the human uh, aspect, we were right in sync. I feel.
0: Well, why don't you paint a picture for us? I mean, you guys got together in New York. How, where did you go? How did you find the people that you you know you, that you provided the the service to and that you photographed?
1: Well, we actually met uh, at Tompkins Park right away because I had just landed. Seriously, I landed, dropped off my luggage. Ten minutes later, I was at the park. Josh came, and we met for the first time, and seriously, ten minutes later he was he was cutting hair. Uh, <laughs> went, we knew yeah. we only had so many days and it went really fast. and those people are, are are there. They're, you know, they it was that part it's actually quite easy, right, Josh?
2: Yeah I mean well it it can you know so so I mean it can depend you know because people there's there's obviously um like you know when you go out on the street you do this outside like there's the weather there's whether, what time of day it might be but we just seemed to all work out really perfectly so yeah we met in uh, Trumpet Square Park in East Village in New York and honestly it was like it was really so uh, great because we met and then minutes later there was this guy called Tony um, who actually called us over and he was sat on a bench he was like hey how you doing and he just wanted to talk and it turns out he was homeless he's actually um, he's going through chem- chemotherapy right now he's got cancer so if he wanted to just talk to someone and say hey this is how my day's going and and then when you start cutting hair, what I find in my experiences that actually when we're just in a park on a bench like that, it's not long before a few people around notice what you're doing, and there were some other guys who were homeless, and they were like, "Actually, can I go up next?" And it turned into like a bit of a barbershop feel, and and it's the diversity as well. Like, yeah, it really is about that. I mean, I don't, I don't think when I'm doing this about, oh, this is for homeless people. Valerie's right. I mean, she's just got that experience from being on the street photographing this anyway. It's just really about different humans. I mean, we had this guy, Tony, who's Dominican, and he's lived in New York for a while, and then next was a guy called uh, Janusz, and he's uh, a Polish um, man who's he's in his 60s now but he he told us about his story of you know post-war Poland when he was younger and moving over with his mother and had the struggles of it all and it's so interesting to hear people and and, and kind of where where they've been at in their life so during the haircut, we'll talk about that um, but I've got a funny story about him to paint a bit of a picture actually is that Valerie she played more of a role than just a photographer because while I was cutting someone's hair this guy Janusz who I told you about this Polish man he actually got quite embarrassed about the state of his hair because he was worried his hair was dirty. And I didn't realize that, but he'd started walking off out of the park. And I noticed out the corner of my eye while I was cutting hair, I was like, ah, he's, he's leaving. He said he wanted his hair What's going on? And, um, and I said to Valerie, I was like, you've got to get him. You've got to run after him because <laughs> I've still got my clippers and my scissors in my hand. And she's so great because she was just like, right, on it, like, and just went for it and went and um, went and walked after him until she grabbed him. And five minutes later, he came back. And obviously, Valerie had been really sweet and talked through that he didn't have to worry about any of that kind of thing. And, and it's so nice that that happened because if – she wasn't there, I wouldn't have had the chance to do that. And he would have gone. And actually, that turned out to be such a beautiful moment because I didn't yeah. care about that. I had some dry shampoo, I sprayed his hair, that's all fine. But we gave him this super great transformation. And he was like in tears at the end of it. And it was just he like. He looked
1: so handsome, yeah. Yeah.
2: So, 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 really, so what I mean, I think to sort of summarize that and, and that kind of day is that, you know, it didn't feel like when me and Valerie were working together, it didn't feel like. This was this. It, it felt like a conversation. It felt like just just yeah. spending time with people, and and actually that's a really key approach. I don't claim to be like um, anyone who can talk to. Her. I mean, like a homeless person is just a human. I'm not like some homeless whisperer. People ask me, how do you talk to homeless people? You know, it's that's a strange way of putting yeah. it, but it's like it's it's that right there that was happening. It's just being you, just going out and being yourself, and, and and I think that's what I really felt was happening that day. And and yeah, we hit the ground running. It really worked, you know. Mm-hmm.
0: And most of the experiences you could have had, had you been working by yourself, uh, would have been very, very different. You, as a person, sort of engaging these people, making a haircut, and for you, Valerie, making the photographs. Uh, you just made a point of, you know, how, what a difference having someone else there made. But could you give us a little more in terms of how you think your collaboration made the experience different?
1: Well, see, uh, first of all, I, as a street photographer, I never photograph homeless people, uh, out of respect, unless I'm actually going to tell the story and, and talk with them. And, and so this was just the, the opportunity to really, to really tell the story. And, uh, and they were, I was surprised. I actually, I thought, because I had to have them sign a release because, um, the, the project was sponsored by Fuji. Um, and they took the time to read it and had no problem signing it. You know, they, um, nobody said no. It was quite amazing. Um, they were so, so thankful. I mean, I approached it as, you know, I'm documenting this because I really feel that what Josh is doing is is so important and we want to incite people to to do things like that in their own town, you know, whether it's for the homeless community or, or to, you know, for anything else, just to do something for nothing, uh, an act of kindness, random kindness. And they were just so, so happy, uh, not only to be getting this this haircut, but to be part of something bigger I feel that uh, they they saw my role as a photographer you know I was part of the team I was part of their experience and and it, again, I think it really helped that I wasn't in their face with a big camera and and yeah. uh, it was re- I was it was very inconspicuous and was... I was photographing but they were n- not feeling uh, like they were on the spotlight. Hmm.
2: Yeah, there was a subtlety just to kind of like um, to echo what Valerie was saying, and there was a real subtlety to like um, to to to, be, to doing what we were doing. You know, it didn't feel like we were really kind of like putting people in any trouble. I mean, I think I've heard a lot um, before in past experience that I know I know respect is a big thing, and I, I always ask people the way I say it to those. I, I say, look, if you feel invisible, I'd love to try and help you out with that. Let's try and give you some visibility. If you want me to tell you the story. I can so it's always about consent and it's already about, always about approaching the situation the right way um, and and that's the way that's the way I try and do things and actually you know I mean I think people get really worried about this as well because if somebody wants to be a part of it, then someone on the street is saying, Oh God, I think they should be on a spotlight more than anyone if they want to be a part of it, then then I don't know I just I just, I just think it's really really um, it's a great opportunity for some people if they want to be involved to say, actually, you know what' I'm visible today and here's who I am and 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 that's a big part of it for me. Mm.
1: And there were so many amazing moments to photograph, you know, it was uh and 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 Josh takes his time, you know, it's not like he's giving a, a buzz cut. I mean, he's he's spending an hour or more with each of uh, each one of those people. You know, it's it's about the, talking with them and listening to their stories and so he really takes his time. So I had a lot of time to to shoot and and get some some different angles we also we also pick different uh, we, we want this to become an you know hopefully a, a traveling exhibit and we're going to hit other other cities down the road and um, so I wanted also some diversity in location so not only just a city park so we did we did the city park and then the next day we went um, outside of Grand Central the third day we went to uh to the beach at um coney island so that i had different th- so that the photographs would from even though there was the same city they were from a variety of uh, urban uh landscape even the the, the boardwalk for me it was important to to just not just shoot everything in a in a public park
0: hmm. Uh, several years back I did a um, photo project on a black barber shop that was near me and one of the things that I observed there was the the physical contact between the barber and the and the men and the and the young men that he photographed that I thought it was it was a point of vulnerability for the people who were getting their haircut but there was also that that physical contact that they were being touched, that a lot of people who were sitting in the chair were being touched by another man in another way, in a way that they normally wouldn't. And that there was a level of intimacy of, mm-hmm. of vulnerability there. And, yeah. I, and I wonder how, how the fact that, you know, the people that you were, you know, providing these haircuts to were people that because of their situation are often lacking any physical contact from another human being, much less attention. And I'm wondering how that sort of factors into your experience of providing uh the service to people
2: yeah well you know that's that's a really really big part of it and that intimacy is something that has taken me on a journey as well you know I'm quite a tactile person anyway as it goes but there's a, there's there's definitely a with hairdressing you have to kind of allow yourself to like fall into the person and, and give your trust to whoever that is because once you get started well that's it you're not going to pull away halfway I mean it's kind of like it's actually it's actually a you have no choice but to kind of just ease into that situation. And I find that with people, you know, people can obviously be very cagey when you're homeless and you're in survival mode and you've got, you know, I mean, there's, there's sometimes many, many different um, things that you're fighting in your life right now. And lots of, lots of walls that you've built up. And, and it's kind of great to see how people do just those subtle changes. Sometimes it might not even be this big smile and thank you. That's not why I'm doing this. I'm not after that. It's like, People loosening up their shoulders, dropping their kind of just sometimes it's the face in the aftershot. You can see like it's almost like wrinkles kind of like disappear from someone's mm. face. And I'm like, wow, it just shows you, doesn't it? I could be anyone like remove the ego, remove Josh, whoever the hell I am from this. It's just that basic thing of just having that contact with another person that you might not have had for a while. They could be a complete stranger. And actually, do you know, what, what's that, what that has done for me really is when you analyze that, that gives me so much hope. Because that is the basics, that is the basics that still makes someone tick as a human. When you're without something, it's another person who can who can hopefully inject that in you to, to give you some hope again, or at least make you feel good. And, and that for me, it's like I go back to that when I feel a bit hopeless. I go, well, yeah, you know, all of the noise and all of the madness of the world, those basic things, they still matter and they are still very much what they were thousands of years ago. And when you look at that as a model, you go, well, there's still hope. There's still always hope because when people are down and out, that is the answer. So, so that's the kind of perspective that I get from this and that's how I feel about it. But definitely for the people I meet, I think that that small moment of intimacy and, 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 and having that, 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 As a hairdresser, I really like that. But the truth is, I think you can get it from lots of things, you know, because I see people who've joined in with this movement who are a vet looking after animals, um, someone who's a a masseuse, someone who's a yoga teacher, different people. This is about, uh, as the movement sort of um, evolves, this is very much about using those kind of things to connect. And even if it's just your conversation, I I think you can still achieve that to a certain degree.
0: When it comes to street photography, Valerie, you're you're often, you know, evaluating things in terms of light, in terms of line, shape, gesture. You're thinking in terms of sort of the aesthetic appeal of, of the photograph. Uh, here you're trying to capture something much more intimate. But I'm wondering how or what skills that you practice as a street photographer helped you to capture the kinds of pictures that you were trying to, to make here.
1: I think... F- Whenever possible, I was also very much aware of the surroundings is one picture that comes to mind is uh when josh is we're we're under the railroad tracks at near Grand Central because it was drizzling and so um and he's cutting Evalon's hair. She's sitting. We ran into a store across the street, asked if we could, because it's really hard for him. You know, he can't really be sitting on the ground or on the sidewalk. So a couple times we we went into a, a local business, asked if we could borrow a chair for for an hour. So we did that. And then um, Avalon, and he has, you know, it, it's like they're sitting at a salon. You know, he has all the equipment and, and uh, he's cutting Evalon's hair. And I was well aware of the people, the business people coming in and out of the station. And to me, it was such a contrast. You know, there is uh, all those people with obviously a lot of money, well to do, going about their day, uh, working in New York. And then Josh cutting the hair of this young woman who is on the streets. And there is this photograph of a gentleman in a suit with an umbrella just looking at Avalon. As Josh is cutting her hair, so th- there is that that connection, you know. And uh, so I, I really look for for that. Uh, it wasn't always possible. Sometimes it was just just us in a park, and and nothing really happening around us. But uh, ideally, that's that's the type of photography I wanted to add to the project, not just faces. Mm
2: and that's like that's a really really important aspect when i do this you know i love that photo when you see it this one valerie's talking about because the reaction of people while i'm doing this is 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 it's massive because i don't really get to see that either and i I, when i do notice it it's great because i'd love to have a camera set up just constantly so i could watch it back because people walking past there's very different reactions you know there's some people who are very much like wow they'll come up and they'll be like They'll feel this thing and they'll want to be a part of it and they'll be like just there talking to you. And then there is another side of it where sometimes people have said, I hope you're going to sweep that hair up afterwards. What is this? What's going on here? You know, and it's like they don't like it. They're not not into it. They're just a bit like they're a bit confused by the whole thing. And I I love I love that side of it. So, yeah, yeah, those photos are, are really great.
1: And it was also about the little details too. you know, the the first look into the mirror that I could catch in the mirror and not on the face of the subject. It's so special that the anticipation 'Cause they're not allowed to look at them in the mirror until Josh is completely finished. Okay. And so, you know, there is that anticipation that builds. You know, they're a little nervous, but they're really getting excited. And then and so many of those um beautiful faces had, you know, smiled with their eyes and and you see that spark in their eyes that wasn't there when we first met them. And then trying to catch that, you know, whether it's when photographing their face or photographing their reflection in that little mirror, for example.
0: You know, what? one of the th- things that's always interesting that when people to do choose to do something helpful or altruistic in, in, in some way, they can be very well-intentioned. But I think inevitably, once they go in, they discover that some of their own assumptions about, in this case, ho- the homeless is sort of challenged. And I'm wondering for each of you what that might, might have been for each of you.
1: Josh? <laughs> <laughs> go
2: ahead. yeah and that's a really good question so i i've analyzed something since i've started doing this which is when you go into a situation with any kind of views or prejudice of any sort and that's really not a negative prejudice it's just of course you have preconceived kind of thoughts about someone it's always difficult to to go into it with a, a real idea of just letting those thoughts be changed by situations by that i mean if you've got somebody who is, has lived 50 years of their life with a certain view of somebody or something, it's pretty difficult to, to just let that change within a day or week because it's actually admitting that you might have been wrong for like five decades or however long you've been a conscious sort of adult human or whatever. So it's a big thing. And my, my, my thoughts about homelessness before I went into this project I guess look, I, I didn't have any. I didn't have any um, reason or, as to why I thought someone was on the street. Luckily, I didn't really have any uh, my own stereotypes or stigmas to dissolve because I think I always felt compassionate about this. But it's it's it's, it's really interesting though because when I talk about that and I talk about stereotypes and how we how we kind of box people, it's like I, I definitely have that about other people in my life and other things. And and now I really learned to just go into every situation with this mindfulness of just like yeah, I'm just going to admit that. I have no opinion of this until, until otherwise because that's a big, big part of it. When I want to talk to people about this. I know sometimes it's just only admitting you're wrong is the biggest part, but homelessness, just to sort of cl- clarify and get some, some sort of real facts about this, is the the list or the reasons why someone uh, is homeless is, is as long as you're armed. Like, there is no box to place someone in. There is no reason why someone is homeless. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that contribute, and actually – there's a a huge, huge number of increase. And I think, I think when you look at this, you can't put it into any one reason apart from this, which is a lot of people have more infrastructure and support with family and friend groups and situations than other people. Um, All those reasons, like I said, are so, so long, but it usually comes down to the 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 sort of fundamental reason that these people don't have support networks like I do. When I've made mistakes in my life and I've gone through hard times, luckily, thankfully, I've had sofas I can stay on, my mum's house to go back to, different things that I can do in my life. But some people really don't have that.
1: Yeah, and and for me it was um, I I knew very little, you know, and I think you can't help but think, oh well, maybe it was. You know, they got into drugs, or alcohol. I mean, those are all stereotypes. But from talking with, you know, just 10 people on the street that week that we really, you know, had long conversations, it could be, it could be anyone. It could be you. It could be me, you know, in a month. And those people had a job, had a house. And one of the uh, women, Melissa, uh, who was trying to get on a, on a bus the next day for a job interview back in Virginia, um... It was uh, she said six months ago? I had a house and I had a car. I have kids waiting for me in Virginia, and and uh, she she had a, a she had an opportunity to go to a a job interview if she could only get thirty seven dollars just to get the bus ticket. You know, another this young couple was at one time you know quite successful and they had good jobs they still had some really nice clothes with them um because they you know they they were they were fine just a few months ago they had an apartment in new york city um and another gentleman roman who uh was from uh ukraine he was actually um in Bry- at brighton beach and uh he moved to the States. His mother was living in New York. So he went to meet her and I guess they had a, a big fight. He was actually living in the park just below his mother's apartment. He had been living there for months. So, so many things can, you know, we met a veterinarian who was homeless, mm-hmm. uh, also in, uh, in Brooklyn. So it really shattered any, you know, preconceived ideas that I, I had. Um, And, and again, it's not like I was, I had talked with a lot of homeless people before uh, always asking about their story and how they, they got there. Um, But this, but never to that extent. And, and in that type of intimacy of, you know um, I mean, we shared tears, we shared laughs, we hugged. Um, It was something, I mean, it was life changing for me, for sure. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah, and I, I, I just wanted to just really briefly add, um, without getting too political, I think when you have these kind of conversations about a certain demographic in society, this isn't this isn't just about sympathy. It's not just about saying, like, when well, I go out and do this, I'm not trying to just, you know, we me and Valerie in doing this project too. We're not trying to just paint everyone as an angel. It's about mm-hmm. being real. Um, it's about, actually, I think some people feel like these conversations are... We're constantly sympathizing and just trying to help and trying to help. And these people, why do they deserve it? Well, the truth is, is, is no, not everyone is an angel. People have made mistakes, but they're the first people to know about it and admit it when they do. And I think it's more just really about do you want to live in a society where people have got each, other back, got each other's back and listen to each other a bit and is more forgiving or don't you? I think that's like the real fundamental question here. And I know for a fact that I want to live in a place where people do look out for each other and that people have got a bit more time to listen and realize that, yeah, people do make mistakes, but there should be more support um, to help someone when they do.
0: Yeah, because I can imagine that people listening to this or or see the work, they're going, you know, uh, why are you helping people who are choosing to be on the street, who don't want the help, who aren't being proactive and basically lifting up from their bootstraps. So I, I, I have no doubt that you probably have seen or, or, or observed their, their reaction. How do you respond to that?
2: Well, well, for me, for me, it's it's so even those people who, I mean, I probably would say, you know, I mean, having said that, you know, it's probably one in 10 people I meet who, who I feel like is is actually saying, you know what, I could have done better, but I don't want to i just I'm choosing this life. Um, and when I'm when, when helping those people, I'm like, well, I'm not going to vet anyone because some people might have come from a very terrible circumstance that they will never have been able to help. And someone might have come from something where they've made decisions that might have put them somewhere. But even that, even that scenario, like it was actually World Mental Health Day yesterday. I've been thinking a lot um, about the work that I do and, and how that relates to that. I see a lot of those issues. And thinking about my life as well, like I... I know what it's like to fall into kind of that pit of sort of depression sometimes, and and, and, and actually, it's quite a struggle to get out of it. Um, and and it's it's I see that a lot too. Is there's a, there's another fight going on in the street as well, which is you know people are homeless, and it's actually even if there's help, sometimes it's it's, it's another thing to be ready to accept it. And I know people struggle with that concept when you're living a clean, healthy life, the decision-making might seem a lot easier to you, but there's, there's a space there um, in the brain where it, it can perpetuate, and actually, and actually, it's, it's difficult to get out of sometimes, and I think these are, these are problems too that, 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 it just depends on how much you want to help. My empathy for me is I want it to be all encompassing even people like that, I'm like, well, you know what, I still believe that actually with the right kind of support, and if you keep loving someone and keep showing compassion, eventually they'll be ready. But sometimes people just aren't. And mm. and that is difficult. That is difficult. Because when someone's got drug addictions, when someone has mental health issues, these aren't people who are all that easy to be around sometimes. It's a challenge, you know? It's not the easiest thing. So um, I think it's good to touch on that. So yeah, that's a good question.
0: Um, tell me about the role of, of social media because that's a big component of what you're doing here.
2: Uh, I believe in how powerful this thing that we have in our hands each day is uh, for connecting with each other. There's, there's, you know, um, take a look down any street, on any subway, any, you know, anywhere, any public space, everybody's on their phone and or their tablet, and it's, it's, it's trying to carve a space for altruism within that, Um, you know, you you look at why social media is is so fantastically popular, and it's, and it's, it's about, it is about a connection, but obviously, you know, there's different things, people follow celebrities, or they follow music, and I do too, but I, I I think that if we can harness at least a bit of that, to try and have those real connections, um, in real life, and broadcast that, I, I think it's, I think it can really work and I've seen the response, you know, from posting on Instagram and using this hashtag, people message me every day. People message me every day to want to get involved in this somehow and, and, and ask me advice about how they can do things in their community. And people um, people are looking at this and it's not because of me, like I said, and, and, and who I am. It's just looking at it in a really basic way and going... I've actually heard some people say enough's enough. You know, they've, they've 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 been on Facebook for hours. They've been on Instagram for hours. They come away with a feeling that isn't all that um, nourishing to them. But then when you see real stuff on there, it gives you hope for this thing. And uh, and you can pick up your phone now and talk to someone the other side of the world within seconds. So I just see the potential for good in that. I see the, the potential to be able to try and get people thinking um, on an altruistic level and 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 do more in their community.
0: You know, Valerie, you just came out with a new book about street photography as well as, you know, teaching um, street photography uh, all over the world. Um, How has this sort of experience changed or evolved the way that you teach street photography, especially when it comes to people photographing strangers, not just homeless people?
1: I I don't know yet how big of an impact it's had because it's still so fresh. I know it took me quite a while to actually... uh, come down from this experience um, I, right after um, shooting on the streets of New York with Josh then I was off to Paris to teach and uh, so for me I was more in, I was more aware of that when I was on the streets and I actually did have quite a few conversations with uh, with homeless people I still don't don't feel right about photographing them um, but I, I think I um, I approached that differently, you know, it's just more about about having a conversation. You know, going to shake somebody's hand who is, uh, you know, especially in Paris, you know, they have usually uh, those little pop up tents and uh, and going to them and and talking to them and really changed the way I approach uh, the streets in a way. Instead of trying to avoid those areas because I don't want them to think that I'm there to take pictures, uh, I actually went and and approached people and, and shook hands and gave hugs. And that, that felt really, really good, you know, change, just bringing a smile to somebody's face because, because, um, somebody cares, but I want to do more of that. I mean, I'm, I'm, um, I mean, I'm an educator first, but this project with Josh is, um, is bigger than anything I've done before. It's definitely the, those are the most important pictures my camera has ever taken and um, and I want to do more of, of that definitely I mean definitely with Josh and I hope we can hit the streets of other cities uh, in, in the world soon uh, but uh, definitely leave um, keep some space in my in my in my life for this type of project. From now on, it's exactly what I needed.
0: You know, if people listening to this want to become involved or somehow do something similar, where can they go? What are your recommendations?
2: Well, I would say, actually, so that the, 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 that question as far as where is sometimes half of the problem. Like when I when I started doing this, um, I didn't have anywhere to go or anywhere to kind of like sign on to go, how am I going to help someone? For me, the, the best thing, if you feel like you want – um, to have these kind of connections in your community. I'd talk to friends. I wouldn't talk to an organization, and I'd think about what day pretty soon, closer to this week than in a month's time, you can just go out for a couple hours and see who you can help in your community. It can be really simple. It can start with a conversation, just sitting down and talking and, and just sharing some food or some coffee or something. That could be a homeless person, but it could also be someone who's maybe, I don't know, you might have to talk to people for this, but someone who's in an old people's home who hasn't got family who go in and see them. People in the local rehabilitation center, if you care about drug abuse and people are trying to recover from that, maybe you live in a place where it's an orphanage. All I'm saying is this human connection thing, it might look different to you than it does for me, but I'd recommend talking to friends in your community, thinking about what your skill set is and how you can best use it to try and help, how you can really do what gets you out of bed in the morning that you're passionate about to go and help out in your community. And that's hard to tailor for everyone, but I think when you ask all those questions of yourself, I think it will start to mold itself into something. And rather than thinking into this big, big idea that you have to do, minimize it. Minimize it and just go do something tiny because that snowballs. Go out there and do whatever that may be that's the easiest thing, and then from there you'll start having more ideas. Um, I talk to a lot of people who have the best um, ideas, but they build it up, and they build it up, and it's this huge idea that they work on, they work on, and now I'm going to do it. It's 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 better to just get out there and do something today. I, I genuinely think that.
1: And, and as a photographer, and I know your audience is you know, mostly photographers, is. You know, use your storytelling skills to to make a difference, to bring awareness. You know, I mean, the power of the photograph, mm-hmm. uh, no matter what you're going to document, you know, whether it's something you do yourself and you document it or you follow someone who is, uh, I don't know, who who is... Uh, singing at um at the nursing home down the street or playing the piano, just document it, document the the smiles on the on the residents, you know, how that impacts their lives. Uh, Use those stories storytelling skills to bring awareness. I think that is so it's such a wonderful project for a photographer and it's going to make you feel good. At yeah, the same time.
2: exactly And you know when you post about that that's a big part of the social media thing just to come back on quickly yeah please use hashtag do something for nothing because this is about trying to harness it to say this is this will inspire other people even those small things even those small moments of c- compassion that will inspire people and it ripples I've really seen the effect of that um, but I know there's a lot of work to do, so it's like, yeah, just post about it and, and 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 show people. I really believe in that. If everyone involved feels like they're involved and they're consented to it, then why the hell not tell people you're doing something nice? I think that's great. I think um, I think that that's better than, than than you know. I mean, we tell on social media so many things about our life. If you're doing something good for someone, uh, hell yeah, you should you should tell people and you should you should try and inspire others to do the same. I, I really believe in that. So where are all the
0: different places people can go to? Because you you mentioned the hashtag, uh, do something for nothing. So it's Instagram. And, and where else can people find, find out more? Yes.
2: So the best way right now, and there's going to be more ways to sort of um, to sort of really, really get people involved. But at the moment, the best thing you can do is use your social accounts. So your Facebook, your Twitter, your Instagram, when you document this or when you, you know, as a photographer, you go and document someone else doing this. Use the hashtag and post it on those channels like you would because then it will, you know, the hashtag's a great portal to see all this stuff. Um, At the moment, I'm in the process of rebuilding the website, which will actually have um, come sort of the end of this year, beginning of next year. That's going to have a place where people can really share, and it's going to have sort of... um, a grid where people can get involved. I'm speaking to people um, I have done about trying to develop an app. So these are all things that are ch- churning right now. But the best way really is how you would use social media anyway, but use the hashtag because that keeps people connected. And then there's the Instagram account, do something for nothing, which I'll feature people's work. If you go on there, there's a whole grid at do something for nothing. And this is people who are using the hashtag at different places in the world with different acts of kindness. Um, so at the moment, that's that's a good way to get involved.
0: And Valerie, why don't you tell uh, tell the audience uh, the title of your new book and and uh, a little about it?
1: Oh well, the my new book was just published. Street photography: creative vision behind the lens. It's uh, was published with Focal Press, Rutledge. Well, it's uh, it's the real deal. After publishing some ebooks. this one was uh, uh, published in New York, and uh, it's uh, part one is about the fundamentals of street photography. But the the core of the book is. Uh, called Photo Walks, and they're um, pretty much the creative vision behind a series of, well, I think over 100 photographs, what was going on in my head when I saw uh, the scene, uh, why I shot it the way I shot it, and it's pretty much being in my head during a a photo walk and hitting the streets of Paris, Rome, New York, San Francisco, and so forth. So it's a very personal uh, way of teaching. And uh, and so far it's been uh, it's been a big hit. It's on Amazon. But I would I also want to mention that um, there will be an ebook coming out probably mid November. Uh, hashtag Do Something for Nothing, New York City with Joshua Combs, photo- um, with my photographs. Oh, fantastic! And that- ebook will help raise funds to um to support josh and what he does because my fear is that this guy is just so nice that he's going to become homeless just because <laughs> he's helping the homeless community and uh and i i'm gonna do everything i can to to help to help him uh keep his uh keep his his rent paid and uh so that he can travel and and change lives one person at a time so um so we're gonna <laughs> Publish this we have a we have a a volunteer doing this for us do something for nothing is reaching people all over the world and uh that's going to be the one of several i hope next we'll have probably paris maybe london and and we'll work as a team on uh on other projects and hopefully some um curators will be interested in in showing the photographs in uh, in some galleries so um but Right now, it's all about supporting this project and, and Josh.
0: Well, guys, thank you so much for uh, sharing this story and uh, really excited to have the opportunity to share it with the, the Candid Frame audience. So, so thank you.
1: Thank you, Ibar. Thank
2: you so much. Thanks for having us.
0: Thanks to Valerie and Josh for sharing their time and their story. And thank you for your continued support of The Candid Frame. If you haven't already, please take the time today to write a review in the iTunes store. Your ratings and comments help people to discover the great conversations that we offer here on TCF. Thanks to Tony Yellow from Sweden and A.M. Geyer from the U.S. for their five-star reviews. You can also support the show by making a monthly contribution through Patreon. Visit patreon.com forward slash The Candid Frame, or you'll find the link in the show notes and the Candid Frame website. Or if you just want to make a one-time contribution to the show, you can do so via PayPal by clicking on the donate button on the Candred Frame website or the show notes. To access our complete archive of interviews, download the free Candred Frame app available for Apple iOS and Android. It's the fastest and most convenient way to hear and save any of the great interviews we present here at TCF. Links for each can be found in the show notes and the website at thecandidframe.com. The Candid Frame's audio engineer is Martin Taylor, who you can find at the theothermartintaylor.com. The show's senior producer is Cynthia Parker, and our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at simply at eBodyNX. And this is IbarianX, and this is The Candid Frame.